temple. They've got it structured. They've got it built. And now they're having their worship service, their dedication service for that permanent structure. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Here we are, verse 1. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all things that David his father had dedicated, and, and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes and the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Now, this is the, the ark of the covenant was symbolic of being the presence and power of God. They built it to represent God's presence. Everywhere the ark went, they went. When the ark stayed, they stayed. Uh, this represented the presence of God with the people of God. Uh, it, they put it in the tabernacle. It was where the Holy of Holies was. It was where they would bring the blood offering one time a year uh, uh, for the sins of the people because that's where the glory of God resided. All right? So if that makes sense, say amen. All right, they brought this instrument, they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the new tabernacle. And it says, Whereof all the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the Ark, and they brought up the Ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the Levites bring up. And King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. Sacrificing and giving unto God is a big, big part of worship. They were appreciative of what God had done for them, and they were very, very sacrificial in their giving to God. And the priest brought to the ark of the covenant the Lord, or excuse me, and the priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubims. Uh, verse 10, there was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Horeb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jejuthun and with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them a hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. And it came even to pass, as the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, Say it with me. For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for your presence in this place this morning. God, I pray that you'll anoint my heart and my mind and give me the ability to deliver your word in such a way that everybody can understand it. And God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The psalmist knew well about the importance of the house of God. In the Old Testament, it was called the tabernacle. In, in, in the New Testament, they would meet in houses. They would meet in various places where they come together. And they came corporately together in the house of God. Uh, a steeple does not make a house of God no more than pews make a house of God. A pulpit on a platform doesn't make a house of God. It is simply a building, a shelter to hold things. But when God is in the house, it becomes a house of God. 
There are many places all over this country that are gathering together and claim to be the house of God, and God has not been in the house in several, several years. But I'm glad, I'm glad to be able to go to a place that when I come, God is there when I get there. I feel his presence. I feel his touch. I feel his anointing. And David knew something about being in the house of God. He knew something about the presence of God. He knew something about experiencing the glory of God. David said in Psalms 122.1, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He said, I can't wait to get to God's house. I can't wait for church time. I can't wait to go and to sing and go and worship and go and experience. Listen, the glory of the Lord. There's so many Christians today, they would rather be on the golf course. They'd rather be at the lake. They'd rather be at the mall. But I'm glad for churches that have the glory of God in them so that when people get up on Sunday morning, they can be able to say, I can't wait to go to the house of God. Listen, David said, David said in Psalms 84.10, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. He said one thing, Psalms 27.4, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He knew that the church house was a lighthouse for those that are in darkness. The church house is a bath house for those who need cleansing it's a schoolhouse for those who need wisdom it's a storehouse for those who need substance this is just not any ordinary place this is not a clubhouse this is not a listen this is God's house God's house has more nobility than the house of representatives it has more servants than the big house. Has more riches than a warehouse. Has more comfort than a penthouse. Has more ambassadors than the state house. Has more prisoners released than a jailhouse. Has more excitement than the movie house. Has more authority than the White House. I'm talking about God's house. It is a great house. It is a house where we can come and experience the glory of the Lord and experience His touch and power. When we can have our wounds healed and we can have our problems solved, we can have what we need in every day life we'll find it at the house of God listen in this worship service and excuse me for getting excited I can't help it but he's good he's good you can't get this at the ball field you can't get this at the racetrack you can't get this at the movie theater oh no 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 there's something about the house of God in this worship service in this worship service uh, we see three vital vital elements of worship that every church in america should have an experience and and listen this is this is why the church is dying in america Christianity is exploding all over the world, all over the world. Christianity is exploding in China. Christianity is exploding in India. Christianity is exploding in Russia and different places in the Sudan. I'm telling you, it is exploding, but not in America. It's dying in America. Christianity is literally dying in America because we have gotten in such a routine. We know how to do church. We know how to do church. And the sad part about it, it doesn't necessarily include the Lord. If the Lord shows up, or if the Lord don't, we can still do church. And a lot of places wouldn't know it if he did or if he didn't. Preacher, what are you saying? Three things. 
that I see in this chapter that we all need to get. We all need to get. First, I want you to see this. They had the Ark of the Covenant. They had the Ark of the Covenant. And, and y'all know what, when I say that, y'all know what I'm saying before I have to describe. Y'all, how many of y'all saw Raiders of the Lost Ark? Okay, so y'all know what the Ark of the Covenant is, all right? Help me now. Help me now. You didn't read, you didn't read Genesis, but you watched the movie, amen? I'm, I'm glad we're together on this right here. All right. Y'all know what I'm talking about, the Ark of the Covenant that the children of Israel carried through the wilderness that contained, uh, it, and, and right when they brought into the tabernacle, it contained the Word of God. It, the Bible says, watch what it says in, in, in chapter number 5, verse 10. There was nothing in the ark save the two tables which Moses put therein at Oreb when the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. So what was that representing? The law. It was the tables of the law. The word of God. The word of God. Now watch what happens. In, in, verse, number, in verse number 7, it says, The priest brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place. In other words, there was a, a special place. To the oracle of the house. Say that with me. To the the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even under the wings of the cherubim. Now, I looked up that word oracle. Oh, what in the world is an oracle? And this is the definition of the word oracle. This is what it says. This is the definition it's given. The place where the answers are given. I thought, cool. And boy, the Holy Spirit just whispered in my, in my spirit and said, look, the house of God needs to be a place where people can find the answers to the problems of their life. And when the Word of God is in its rightful place, where is that? The priority. This, the Word of God should be the centerpiece of everything that happens in the house of God. Now, preacher, what are you saying? Why? Right here you're going to find the answer. You got a problem in your marriage? Right here. I tell you what, if everybody would come in here and practice what I taught on Wednesday night, there'd never be another case of adultery and there'd never be another divorce. Check it out on the website. It's a very interesting title. Amen. I bet you can't wait to check it out. Amen. And I ain't even going to tell you, so you just go look. Amen. I'm going to blush if I do. All right. Uh, some were here Wednesday night. Amen. Right here, you're going to find the, the answer to your problem with finances. Right here is where you're going to find the problem with stress and finding peace in your life. Right here is where you're going to find the proper way to make decisions. It's the place where the answers are given. Now, here's what's happened. Here's what's happened in America today. Technology has ruined us. Technology has ruined us. You say, what do you mean? The attention span of the typical American has gone from here to here. Prove it. Watch a commercial. The scenes change every few seconds, and that's on purpose, so they don't lose your, because when they lose your attention, they lose money. 
So they have to keep changing things. They have to keep changing things. And so here we're so programmed with technology, everything's changing, everything's changing. So now you come in and you sit and you have to hear an hour sermon of one person. And if he keeps your attention, that dude's going to have to be good. Are y'all with me? Because we're so programmed. We're so programmed to have, you know, I watch my kids and they've got like a phone going and they've got a laptop going and a TV going all at the same time. Just, just doing this. Number. I'm like, really? And so what's happened is, is the church world knows that. So we're trying to combat that with gimmicks. We'll have sideshows and we'll do, now I'm not, I'm not, now obviously y'all know I'm not against doing cool stuff. How many preachers in America you know that come out with a theme of Rocky? Come on now. Hey, so, so let's not even go there and don't think, I'm not, I'm not against anything that will capture attention, but I'm not against living off of gimmicks. Living off of gimmicks. In other words, how many of y'all like uh, 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 fireworks? Any of y'all like fireworks? Trust me, buddy. I like anything that goes boom. I like the bright lights. I like the boom. I mean, oh, that's great. But you know what? I'm all about it. I'm mesmerized. I'm seeing the light. Then all of a sudden, it's nothing. And just as quick as it came, it's gone. Do you realize that gimmicks are just like fireworks? It's exciting for a little bit, but then they're gone. Preacher, what am I saying? When you substitute the truth of the Word of God with gimmicks to try to keep people's attention, it won't last. But if you build the work and the ministry on the teaching, the preaching, and the systematic study of the Word of God. Wednesday night, we go verse by verse, verse by verse, verse by verse. Unbelievable. And it's been incredible. But if you feed people the Word of God, they're going to grow. And they're going to develop strength and develop faith. But if all you give them is candy, you're going to die. I like ice cream. How many of y'all like ice cream? How many of y'all know that there is a place in town that serves ice cream by the pound? I did not know this. I went in this place, and I thought it was an ice cream buffet. And I thought you pay one price, and you can get whatever you want. I thought I had gone to heaven. I said, give me the big bucket, baby. Amen. And I created a masterpiece i had everything in the store in this bucket and i had to have a trailer to get it to the counter and the ma'am said sir put it on the scales i said do what why do i want to put it on the scales say sir you pay by the weight i said oh no <laughs> I'm going to return some of these things, ma'am, all right? I thought, why didn't somebody tell me before? Ice cream is wonderful. How many of y'all like ice cream? I'm talking about briars, vanilla, and sprinkles, and syrup, and everything. Listen, I, I like it. I like it all, but you can't live on it. 
You can't, it's good for a little bit, but, but sometimes you need some green beans. Y'all with me? Sometimes you need some broccoli. Sometimes you need some. And somebody hollered out, somebody hollered out spinach. I said, no, the devil don't even serve that. Amen. No. That's off the menu. Amen. God knows that came from the devil. Amen. That was part of the curse on mankind right there. And y'all get the point. Listen, the church will never grow on gimmicks. But if we study the word and we practice the word and we teach the word, it changes everything. You see, Paul knew this because he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God unto salvation. He said the word of God is quick. That means alive. It's quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm glad when we come to this place, we'll get the word every week. Amen? When the word of God is in its rightful place, it's in a, prior, listen, a place of priority. It's in a place of priority. It's first, it's preeminent. We, listen, we study and we teach and we preach the word of God. Then watch the second element. There's not only the imparting of scriptures, but I want you to see the second element. I want you to see the involvement of the singers. And this is going to come where we asked our question a while ago. The Bible says in verse number 12, verse number 12, also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar, and with them 120 priests sounding with the trumpets. Even It came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as... To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. Watch the word there. They were not just singing to have something to do. There was substance to their song. Their song was praising and honoring and glorifying God. It says when they were praising and thanking the Lord, when they lifted up their voice, that means they were loud. Y'all hear me? They lifted up their voice. They didn't, they went whispering. Lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord. Here's, here's, here's what I want you to get today. And some of y'all are going to get mad at this, but it's all right. Just, you know, whatever. Uh, why'd you come today? Let me, tell you, let, me, let me tell you what nobody will say. Let me tell you what reality is that nobody will admit to and nobody will say out loud. And really, nobody, when they hear it, will think, no, not me, that's not me. But it is in a lot of cases. Not every case, but a lot of cases. In the majority of places in, in the country, in the United States, when we say, let's go to church, let's go to church, let's go to church, this is what is in their mind. This is what they're thinking. We go sit in a building and watch somebody perform and entertain us. We come, we've got some people that we pay uh, to put on a good show. We come in, we sit down, and we watch, and we, we sit there, and we enjoy it. It's great, and they, they, they put on a good show for us, and they make us feel good for a little bit, and then we go home, and, and we put something in the offering to pay for the show. That's what happens. That's what happens. Now, we won't ever admit that, and we won't ever say that, and nobody would ever think that that's what they were doing. But that's reality. What is church supposed to be? 
It's not a spectator sport. Worship is about giving all to God. Is it about all of us singing? In other words, if I worship Tammy, if I worship my wife, she's not here. I can say what I want, amen. Uh, she's at home. We've, our, our baby daughter had uh, surgery on her foot, and, and she's with her today. And, 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 but if I, if I was to worship her, now I could tell all of y'all what she means to me. I could tell all of y'all she was the greatest thing ever happened to me besides Jesus. And, and, and how she makes me feel and how much I love her and what she means to me. And I could, I could say all of this stuff to y'all, but that's not worshiping her. That's not worshiping her. That's not honoring her. But if I go to her and I say, baby, you're my world. You turn my world upside down. You are the jelly in my donut. Say amen. I'm telling you, I can't, I can't, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about you, and you mean the world to me. I love you. That's worship. Worship is not singing to each other. Worship is singing to him. Now, when's the last time you truly worshiped? Truly worshiped. Well, I, watch now, watch. I, somebody's going to see me or somebody's going to hear me. I can't sing. The Bible says make a joyful noise. Listen, grunt if you have to. But do something. Well, I don't think we really have a problem. The church is growing. Everything. No, but see, we're not here to gather a crowd. We could, we could have a soccer game and gather a crowd. Amen? Matter of fact, they act crazier in a crowd than they, are y'all with me? We, we just sung a song. We just sung a song. I want to thank you, Lord. It was an exciting song. It was an upbeat song. It was a fast-paced song. And they're leading us, and they're singing. They're excited. They're clapping. And a lot of y'all just sat out there. Man, that's good. Some of y'all are related to the darlings on Mayberry. Say Amen. Daddy Darling says, they're all worked up, boys. They're all worked up. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's just funny, man. You, you, where did that go? What, wouldn't that be a great show to come out today? People would. Anyhow, we just sit and we watch. And, and so, oh, I don't, want, I don't want somebody to see me. You know, somebody. Now, look. Now, let's think about this a minute. I go. I go preach a, a lot of places. I do. I, I, matter of fact, I'm going tomorrow to uh, 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 preach in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Yankees need the Lord. Say amen. Come on now. They really need the Lord. And, 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 and sometimes I got to fly. I'm not flying tomorrow, but, but a lot of times I got to fly to wherever I go. And, uh, and I watch people in the airports because people are different. Have y'all noticed that? And, and, and I, I just, because they're so fun to watch. I mean, seriously. And I don't know if y'all have ever been to Atlanta, Georgia, but they some weird ducks in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm sitting in the airport, and, and I, I'm not exaggerating this a bit. I promise you, I promise you, I'm not exaggerating. I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm watching, watching people, and they're just going by, and they're looking different. And I'm talking on the phone to my buddy, and all of a sudden, Abraham Lincoln walked by me. 
I mean the black suit, the, the tails, the whole th- the top hat and the beard. I mean Abraham. I, I went. And he said, Malcolm, Malcolm, you there? I said, you ain't going to believe who I just saw walk by me. And I watch people get off planes. And this is my point. There's people that have been separated from each other for a long time, that love each other a lot. Sometimes it's husbands and wives. Sometimes it's parents and kids. Sometimes it's sisters. Sometimes it's brothers. Whatever it might be. And when that person gets off that plane, now I'm sitting there watching the whole thing. I mean, you can't pay for this kind of stuff. I mean, I'm sitting here watching them, and they'll get off, and this one over here is waiting for them, and they're just and 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 they're just all excited, and, and they're just jumping up and down, and they and then around they'll run each other and hug and kiss and and just 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 make a scene in front of God, country, and everybody, and don't care. You know why? They don't care what you think. Because the person that they care so much about is in their presence. There was a woman in the Bible. There was a woman in the Bible who who came to Jesus and he is sitting there. He is sitting there in Simon's house and and this woman had been saved and and trusted Christ and God had forgiven her because she she had a great debt. She was a big time sinner. And and she had issues and and God had saved her and, and Jesus had changed her life and she was so appreciative of it that she came into the house, into his presence, and when she got into his presence, boy, it just overcome her. She began to weep and weep and weep. Her tears fell down and fell on his feet, and she was just overcome with worship and, and emotion, and she fell down, and she took the hairs of her head and began to wipe his feet. The hair represents a woman's glory, by the way. So what was she doing? She was giving all to him. She she anointed his feet, kissed his feet. I'm talking about in front of everybody. She didn't care. Because what this man had done for her and what this man meant to her, she didn't give a rip what nobody thought. Because true worship is an audience of one. It's just you and Jesus. But what we do, we come in here, because we don't come in here to worship. We come in here to see who's wearing what. We come to see who's driving what. And, 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 and we done heard some gossip about Sister so-and-so. I wonder if she'll have the gall to even show up today. And we're here investigating everybody else when we're supposed to be here because of the one who died for us. I People have come up to me complaining about stuff. Preacher, so-and-so doing this in church, or so-and-so this, so-and-so. I said, if you was focusing on Jesus like you should be, you'd have never saw so-and-so. But we won't worship because we're afraid of what somebody's going to think about us. We're, we won't raise our hand because we're afraid we got so much pride. Now, some of y'all, you, you're just a little nervous, and y'all, y'all coming out your shell. Y'all ain't there yet, but y'all getting there. Y'all, y'all, got, y'all ain't here, but y'all here. <laughs> and that's great. You got to start somewhere. You know, I'm, I'm all about it. Amen. 
Amen. Y'all ain't full-fledged glory yet, but y'all, 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 amen. All right. Really, I mean, honestly, you say, I just don't believe in making a spectacle. Come on. I seen some of y'all at the ball field. When, when, I don't know how much I should admit today. Uh, my, my daughter, Jordan, was playing softball, and this was a long time ago. And, uh, and, and it, the coaches was just getting carried away. I mean, they really was. They was getting carried away. And, 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 I, and I, I said, look, guys, hey, this is just a game. I mean, I was sounding real spiritual and everything. This is, calm down, it's all right. It's just a game. And I sat down. I was about third row up on the bleachers. And I'm like a long way from the gate. I don't, I, to this day, I don't know how it was humanly possible, but I, I'm on the third, and, 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 and Jordan comes up to bat. And I'm, you know, really uh, satisfied with, with how I encourage the coaches and uh, and she comes up, and she hits the ball over the left fielder's head. And to this day, I don't know how I did it, but I come out of the bleachers, never touching the ground, and I hit the gate all fours like Spider-Man. I'm this high off the ground with my tennis shoes dug in the gate and me holding on screaming, Aah! I'm not exaggerating this a bit. This is exactly, exactly how it happened. <laughs> the coach come out the dugout. And he said, now, preacher, it's just a game. <laughs> Amen. Hey, don't, don't give me no baloney that you just don't get excited. The question is, what does it take to get you excited? It's amazing to me that we can get excited about all kinds of things, but we can't get excited about the fact that Jesus forgave us of every sin. He has redeemed us forever. He died on an old rugged cross. He's making us a home in heaven. And we come in here and sit like a knot on a log. That's sad. That's sad. I ask you again. Why'd you come today? Did you come to get? Did you come to watch people? Did you come because it was Sunday? There's a lot of people that come because it's Sunday. You're supposed to go to church on Sunday. And all they do is endure it till it's over. So then they can go do what they wanted to do to begin with. Why'd you come today? This is why I came. The Bible says when those singers got to singing, the word of God was in its rightful place. The third thing happened. There was an interruption of the services. The Bible says when their singing become as one and they were unified in their worship to him, the Bible says that God came down and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. To the point, in other words, God was so thick, his presence was so real, it says that the priest could not stand to minister. And I looked up that word minister, and the word minister means to contribute. What does that mean? It means this, that God had moved in such a way they couldn't do nothing. 
They just had to sit back and watch God do his thing. Now, I, don't, I have no clue what your church background is or your affiliation. I, I don't know. But I come from old-time church. And in old-time church, you didn't have schedule. Now, we have to do things a little differently because of the size of our building. And one, one day we'll get a building. We won't have to be as scheduled as we are now. But God understands that, and he moves anyhow. But uh, when God moves, you just let God move. Uh, Dr. Brown said it this way. He said, boy, because you got to understand, he's speaking to preachers who are just gnawing at the bits. I mean, you got to hold the reins. Like, we just want to preach. We'll preach at stumps, at trees, at cows alongside the road. It don't matter. Just let us preach. You know, we go with that drive. He said, now, boys, you don't go to church to preach. You go to church to worship. You go to church to worship. You go to church to give God glory and to give God honor and praise and give God your best. Now, if you get to preach, amen. But if God moves and you can't, amen. I've been in church ever since I was a little bitty baby. And from the time I've been a little kid, I've experienced services that can't even be described. Services where, where God would get on a singer and they'd go to singing and they'd go to squalling. And God would convict the sinner on this side. And then God would move on a grudge over here. And this person would get up and come over here and hug this person and apologize and make things right at the altar. And this person over here come and get saved. And there wouldn't be a dry eye in the house when the glory of the Lord showed up. Now, you're not going to see that every week, but it could be. And the reason we're not seeing the glory of the Lord because we're not coming to church for the right reason. We're coming to spectate, not participate. But oh, if we'll all come to worship. Because God is looking for people to worship Him. It says it in John 4. He's looking for people that will worship Him. He inhabited the praises of His. I love this crowd. This is the rowdy crowd. The, the, the 830 service, they're tired. Say amen. It's 8.30 in the morning. I, I'm, I'm, it's hard. You know, we, we have to issue Red Bull on the way into church at 8.30. Amen. They're so tired and early in the morning. And, and the 9.45 is kind of the, 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 the casual crowd. They're the crowd that's it's, it's real convenient because it's, it's not too early. It's not too late. And, and, and a lot of them come because they're supposed But this crowd is the rowdy crowd. This, yeah. Hey, I'm all about it. Now, now here's the thing. Are you coming to give. Now I've said it. I've said it my whole my whole life. I've always said I'm going to church to get a blessing. How many of y'all have ever said that? You know they all lied in that second service. Nobody raised their hand. But I've said it, and I meant that because I've heard it my whole life. Hey, we go to church to get a blessing. That is not why we're supposed to go to church. Worship is about giving. Now, if I went to my wife to worship her and adore her, and I said, baby, will you give me something? It's her birthday. Will you get me a present? You said, that's silly. It's no more silly than coming to the house of God where we're supposed to be giving God our best and do nothing but expect. Now, what if we change that? Bless God. When we get to church this Sunday, he's going to get the best singing I've ever done in my life. He's going to get every effort. I'm going to clap my hands like nobody's business. I'm going to do everything I can. Hey, the devil's going to know I love Jesus. 
And if you do, you will get. Because God loves praise. And God will honor worship. Now, I don't think you need to make a fool of yourself. And I don't think you need to, you don't, you don't need to do stuff to attract attention to you. I'm not about putting on a show and making people think you're all holy and all that. I'm not about that. But worship when it's real. There's no substitute for it. And that's what we're here to do. Because when we do, he'll interrupt the service. And I would rather God move than us move. Are y'all with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for all your blessings. I thank you for a place that we could come and honor you. Now, Lord, I want to I worship you for the next few minutes. I want our people to worship you for the next few minutes. Maybe they've never worshipped you in their life. Well, in the next minute or two, they're going to sing to you. They're not going to sing about you. They're going to sing to you. They're going to focus their hearts to you. This is not like a normal invitation, God. This is a, a, a worship invitation where we honor you. The best we can, we're going to sing. We're going to forget about our problems. We're going to forget about our schedules. We're going to forget about the neighbor who's standing beside us. And this is going to be an audience of one. An audience of one. It doesn't matter who's here. It doesn't matter who sees us. It doesn't matter if we raise our hand. It doesn't matter if we cry. It doesn't matter if we weep. It doesn't matter if we clap our hands. It doesn't matter. We're just here to worship you. I don't care who sees it. I don't care who witnesses it. I just want to worship you. I pray your will be done. I pray your will be done. Lord, have your way in this service. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand to our feet for just a moment. We're going to worship. We're going to sing. Come on now. Because you I want you to sing. I want you to sing. I want you to focus to Him. Don't let anything distract you. Don't let anything keep you from honoring Him. Give Him your heart now. Give Him your best. I'm alive and well. Your spirit is. Died and rose but again. He rose yes, again. amen. Come on, everybody, sing worship a minute. Amazing love, how can it be? God is dealing with you about salvation. Come on. We've got people down at this altar. Be glad to take a Bible, show you how to be saved if you need to come. Come on. Say, preacher, this is where God wants me to join up. Come on. We'll pray for you. Come on. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. Are you singing to Him? Is your focus on Him? Worship Him now. Come on, worship Him. Amazing love, how can it be? Thank you, Lord, for your blessing. Thank you, Lord, for your me. God, we want to feel your presence. We want to feel your power. God, we want to feel your love. I know it's true. And it's my joy to honor you in all I do. 
Hallelujah. 